and welcome to this podcast with Evidence-Based Nursing, which is investigating fatigue two months after myocardial infarction. My name is Dr. Helen Noble, and I'm a lecturer in health services research at Queen's University Belfast. I'm also assistant editor at Evidence-Based Nursing. And today I'd like to welcome Dr. Patricia Crane from the East Carolina University. Hello. Hello. Hello, Dr. Crane. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. Um, I wanted to firstly ask you if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your current position. I have been doing, my current position is that I'm an Associate Dean for Research and Scholarship at East Carolina University College of Nursing. We are the largest college of nursing in North Carolina, and we have undergraduate and graduate programs as well as a DNP and a PhD program. Um, I have been conducting research with uh, fatigue post-MI since um, 2000, and so was really pleased to review this paper. Well, can you tell me a little bit about what we, we currently know about fatigue after MI? I can. Um, what's interesting is you asked about fatigue after MI. Much of what we know about fatigue um, has been in the literature as a prodrome to MI. So we know that fatigue is related um, as a prodrome or that is a warning sign of an MI, but that fatigue changes or goes away after an MI. So that's been clearly articulated in the literature and Dr. Jean McSweeney worked with that. In the earlier years, um, Fatigue was examined post-MI by Apple and his colleagues, but they looked at it within a concept or a construct called vital exhaustion. And it included fatigue, but it also included other variables within that construct, including demoralization. So fatigue may not have been teased out of that construct. Um, and since then, we've seen a lot of literature coming out of uh, basically with Brink and Olson and that group looking at fatigue post-MI and, um, and as well as my work in the States with fatigue post-MI. So we know that it is prevalent. Um, we know that it is um, consistent in that um, people describe this fatigue as different than fatigue prior to their MI and that it affects their quality of life. Um, we know that from the literature in the States as well as the literature in Europe that this fatigue is comparable to other types of fatigue in other populations, including the cancer population, and that it is higher than that in community groups, and we, um, that is people that haven't had MIs, and we also know that this fatigue is probably re is not related to things that we typically believe the fatigue is related to. Um, and my previous research, as well as this research um, that we're reviewing today from this article by Fredrickson Larson, Olson, Carlson, and Brink, is that it's not related to pharmacotherapy. And so many times nurse practitioners um, believe that this fatigue is related to pharmacological therapy or heart failure, and that has not been supported in, in the science and research. Okay, great. What did the authors of the study that we're discussing do? What was it that they actually... Uh, okay, the authors of, of this um, article examined fatigue at two time points. They examined fatigue... Uh, at the time of their hospital admission for MI, and they examined it again two months later. And then they compared that two-month fatigue level 
with our score, they looked at a global score, with fatigue in another separate MI group that was measured four months post-MI, and they also compared that two-month fatigue with a community samples uh, fatigue score. And so they were able to also look at correlates to this fatigue because that is uh, really important for us to understand because it's difficult for us to understand how we may can intervene to affect that fatigue if we don't understand what's driving it. And this study um, found some very um, similar findings to other studies but also different findings, but in essence they found that 49% of the variance in fatigue was explained by five different things. One is breathlessness, so the symptoms. One was stress uh, and coping strategies, uh, three separate coping strategies. And that's different from other literature that's really noted that depression drives fatigue. So that was a really different finding. Okay, okay, great. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the strengths and weaknesses of the methods that were used in the study? Well, I think one of the strengths was that they had a baseline measure of fatigue and then could follow it at two months. Um, I think the issue with um, probably one of the weaknesses is you're comparing a two-month to a four-month in a different population. And so um, it would be interesting to have compared a two-month to another two-month population to see if it's similar findings. I think it's important with the community sample, but one of the weaknesses that we have in all studies of fatigue is it's a subjective symptom, and it's um, how people perceive their fatigue. Um, so I think one of those, uh, one of the weaknesses would be related to how we continue to measure fatigue. We don't consistently measure it across studies. Uh, what's the beauty of this study is it was consistently measured. Um, using the same tool. So I think that is a strength. But when you look at other studies, fatigue is measured uh, with concepts such as vitality or the promise here in the States that was developed by um, the National Institute of Health, the Piper Fatigue Scale, the Multifunction Inventory. So there's multiple ways to measure fatigue. So I think a strength of this study is it was a similar or exact measure of fatigue. Okay. Thank you. And um, what do you think are the main implications for clinical practice from the study? Well, I believe that the main implications are very important to clinical practice. One is to recognize that fatigue is a common symptom um, in in that up to 77% of the people post-MI have fatigue. And while we recognize that many people have an MI when they're older and aging, these people were not fatigued prior to their heart attack. And so understanding as a nurse and a practitioner, understanding that this is not related to heart failure, this is not related to uh, beta blockers, uh, which is a, fatigue is a major side effect of a beta blocker, um, is very important for practitioners um, so that we can listen to what people say about their fatigue and we can come up with strategies to help them deal with this fatigue. I think one of the most important um, outcomes of fatigue that we need to address as practitioners is that fatigue is the number one barrier to participation in physical activity. And we know that physical activity is one of the most strategic secondary prevention behaviors that we can ask patients to do uh, to prevent a recurrent MI. And we know that at least one out of three people will have another MI after their initial MI within six years. 
and those are alarming statistics. So this provides a really um, important intervention for nurses to work with patients to mitigate the fatigue so that they can be physically active to prevent a recurrent MI. Okay, great. And finally, is there one key message that our listeners can take from this research? Well, I believe that the one key message from this article uh, is related to stress and that um, stress is a very important, in fact, stress was the most important variable predicting this fatigue two months post-MI in this study. And so obviously, and in other studies, we've seen depression and anxiety. So obviously, we need to really think about some psychotherapy or to intervene on that. And many times we do not, um, at the two-month follow-up visit, we do not assess depression and stress. And so we need to add this to our practice. And I think that's probably one of the most important findings um, from this study. Thank you very much. Thank you.